Sounded like uh, Clyde from South Park. It was not, it was not good for anybody involved. Um, so I, you know, did the right thing and uh, decided to take a little bit of a breather. But I'm back, and uh, we have an announcement for the All Things Music podcast. We are adding a co-host because listening to just me for an hour can get a little monotonous at times, uh, and it's it's good to have other opinions. And uh, he'll tell you through horoscope that we are uh, opposites, so it's good to have uh, those different perspectives. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce, and I don't even know, do you just want to be Ian Illyrian for this? Ian Illyrian, yeah, Illy- what's going okay. on? <laughs> okay, well, I don't know, your last name is a secret to some people, and I didn't know if that was something <laughs> that I had to like sign the NDA for or what, Um you're gonna have to let me know what you want to do about that. No, man. Now everybody knows I have a secret, so yeah. I guess uh, they're gonna be looking to find out. All right. They, well, yeah, you listen. know what? Yeah, that's smart. That <laughs> maybe will get listen. more people to listen. Maybe we'll have like a uh, uh, last name reveal episode. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of making shit up here. Anyways, uh, so tell people, you know, people who don't know who you are. We do have a lot of local listeners, but we do also have a lot that aren't local. Tell people about yourself, what your musical journey is, why. Why you are a you know sophisticated good person to talk about music? You know you have some clout there, and some clout. yeah, let people know why. Heck yeah, boy. <laughs> um, so basically, when I was young, I was flute first chair flute player in high school, <laughs> or actually no correction, middle school. Right. Uh, most people don't know that. High school, I played drums in a snare line. I was also in a metal band. Did a lot of playing around. I played drums. Uh, and then out of that, I got into uh, DJing and then uh, production. So what was your metal band called? Because I'm sure a lot of people were going to want Burn the Sea. Burn <laughs> the Sea. So is that like... It was, uh, it was the emo, emo three-word, uh, what do they call it? Yeah. Adjective, something. Verb, yeah, preposition, preposition whatever. Verb, exactly. Yeah. Well, was that like about the Cuyahoga River? Because, you know, Cuyahoga River burnt. Hell I mean. no. I didn't go to Cuyahoga. I went to Wadsworth. It was basically from a book. We did the good old... Uh, okay, so like As I Lay Dying, yeah, which is, is a book. Yeah, through the book. <laughs> Interesting. Well, I mean, I listen, Audience of Rain, Burn the Sea, there's kind of a, you know, maybe you should get your band back together and go on tour and go on like the Water Tour oh, 2025. Yeah. We'll call it uh, Zelda's Water Temple. There you go. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, and then like you said, now you're doing production and DJing in the electronic dance scene electronic music yeah some people don't like when it's called edm you know especially old heads you're not an old head you're younger than me but semi-old uh, semi-old we're all so old. i feel old i feel like i'm 40 but i feel like your age should really be determined by how much hair you have more than i, mean, how I got old a lot of it are. but right that's what i'm saying <laughs> i mean i'm going bald and i people like to remind me of that on the daily uh so maybe i'm like 
way older from that standpoint. Or maybe I'm just more stressed out. I think I see hair. a couple gray hairs, man. There's definitely gray hairs, uh, especially when I don't shave my face for a while. I get those gray hairs. But you know who else has some gray, a touch of gray, that is the coolest man in the world? James Bond. So. Oh, yeah, and he gets, really he gets the girls, man, although... Yeah. Yeah, but I'm I'm married. You're so. married and having a kid, so it looks like your show's over. Yeah, but I still, you know, <laughs> I, I try to be as Bond as I can <laughs> in my limitations. But uh, so, okay, I've got a lot of things that I want to talk about, but something that's just like on my mind right now to get people to know you better. So we've got the Cleveland Indians game in the background. I'm a big baseball fan. Ian's not much of a sports fan, but uh, unless we could call esports sports. Yeah, esports specific yeah. games. Oh my god! <laughs> so, my question to you is: When at baseball games, okay, when a batter walks up to the plate, they usually get two to three songs they get to choose to walk up to every at bat. So, a batter usually gets three to five at bats a game, depending on how the game goes. So if you're, let's say you play for the Cleveland Indians, right? Oh, shit. What are your two or three songs you're choosing for to walk up to? And keep in mind, this oh, is something man. that probably should get you pumped up, but it doesn't have to, you know, if people uh, do it differently. Oh, man. I got to think about this. I'm putting you on the spot. Yeah, you put me on the spot. I wasn't ready. Uh, something by Lil Uzi Vert. We got to have that. Oh, God, here we go. We got to have Lil <laughs> Uzi Vert. I, I love Lil Uzi Vert. I'm in all type of music. Um. Oh, pro- I can't think of. I I have to get back to you on the song. All right, all right. Well, before the episode's over, that's your assignment. I need two more. All right, all I'll right. I'll pull up Spotify and I'll tell you. Oh God. Okay. And uh, later on. <laughs> so actually, no. But you bring up something that I did want to discuss is the new wave of what they're calling emo rap, right? That's SoundCloud rappers. Sa- but it's not. There's that's more- what they call them. SoundCloud rappers for the whole genre of emo rap, or just it's it's basically yeah. So it started off SoundCloud rappers, and then like you know they did all the face tattoos and stuff, and then sure. you got guys like the Suicide Boys and stuff. Well, Suicide Boys and all their stuff basically got big through SoundCloud. I mean that's what happened, and uh, like their links when you used to click on it, they sent you to a page, and you didn't even have to buy the albums; you just download them. Um, when I first started listening to them, and they were like one of the people who started that mm-hmm. movement. Um, that's that's what I did, and I was like, "Holy shit, this is good!" And then there there was uh, other guys, but more or less um, they were on the different spectrum. Where there was you know the emo rap, then you have guys like Lil Uzi Vert and um, Twenty One Savage and stuff like that. They were more mainstream, but they started off. SoundCloud type rappers too. They're just a little bit more mainstream and a little bit more hood rap or emo rap right. is based. So so almost like metal. Yeah. But like in rap music. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. And that makes a lot of sense. From the only thing that I like why I was thrown off is because when I've heard the term SoundCloud rapper used in the past, it's been like there's been a stigma attached to it. It's got clout it's you know. it's usually something that comes with the clout of being that, but they're actually some of them got past that SoundCloud, the shitty sound sure. quality stage, and actually got real serious and good with it. Sure. And uh, like now their stuff is top notch. So, so you know, both of us are heavily involved in different ways in both hip hop and metal, and emo rap kind of takes hip hop and at least from a image and branding standpoint, a lot of similarities to metal, like. Uh, 
Oh, who is that guy that just came out? Uh, oh, the blonde guy. You 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 love him? Uh, Not Ghostmane. Yeah, uh, Ghostmane. No, Ghostmane. He just came out with a hardcore album. Like oh yeah, and that Nilly the EP Nil, or N I H I L or something. Nihilist. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And it was pretty legit. And like all his, you know, he's a rapper, but all his uh, logos and stuff, everything's very like you would think it's a metal album. You know, he wears Venom mm-hmm. T-shirts and all that. And he's not the only one. There's like a lot of rappers that do this today. What? Where did that come from? Like, it just well, doesn't seem like they go together. But I think that um, they were looking to do something fresh and new. Um, and with today's influence of electronic music and just hip hop in general, um, there is somewhere. I think Suicide Boys again was mm-hmm. a major starter of this um, kind of this trend. Right. Right. And um, if you look at that type of music, it's all the same BPM. They have like breakdowns, which have halftime breakdowns in most of their songs. And they they scream and just the the stuff they talk about is the same stuff. Like Star Wars is a good example. Yeah. Right. They they has the same lyrical type content and stuff. And if it's weird because I was actually watching a YouTube video the other day. It's like these two metalheads listen to Suicide Boys for the first time and like Ghostmane. <laughs> and they're like, holy shit, this is actually really good. Sure. And it's really <clears throat> comparable. And they have the lyrics pulled up and everything. It's, I mean, it's the same, just a little bit more new age. So now the only thing that I, that I use caution with and I ask you is, I mean, you you may know the answer, you might not know the answer, but are is this a gimmick, or do they genuinely like metal music and just want to use it I don't it in... think it's a gimmick at all, because, and actually, if you look up interviews with some of the guys, they say their influences earlier on were like stuff like Born of Osiris, mm-hmm. Parkway Drive. I mean, they listen to the same stuff. Okay. Alexander, they listen to the same stuff. Um, they just were trying to, I think, do something fresh sure. and kind of mesh the two genres of out. Sure. And they're not the first ones to do that per se. I mean, I remember seeing uh Sounds of the Underground 2007 at the Tower City Amphitheater. They had a guy on the bill named Necro. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, kind of like a fat Joe, real big white dude and yeah. uh uh he um you know, it, he was right after Goat Whore. So you had like <laughs> major moshing going on and then you yeah. had Necro and at the time I mean, this is what? How long ago is that? That's like more than ten years ago. It's like twelve years yeah. ago. Well, two thousand nine. Yeah, yeah, nineteen. Yeah. So, yeah. So it it at the time it was like rapper, you know, with Cannibal Corpse lyrics. This is weird, but people were moshing to it, and I was like, man, I don't know if this is gonna catch on. We'll fast forward twelve years later, it it's starting to. So yeah. you know, it's it's pretty cool, but uh, you know, I it I just again hip-hop and i think i think it's a good thing because it's it's kind of ending the mumble rap movement a little bit or at least well yeah and if you listen to their stuff and like guys like that um like Ghostmane and the guys from suicide boys and uh even scar lord and stuff like that it's interesting they pull a <clears throat> lot of their um the way they do their lyrical stuff kind of like bone thugs and harmony okay and like old school rap even like Three Six um, Mafia, they yeah. They I don't know that. what it's really called, but that's what they do. Like, and then they put it on like new, really dark 
beats. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, with different type of lyric stuff where back then, like Bone Thugs, they're talking about stuff to kind of bring the city up and stuff because they're from Cleveland. Sure. And Cleveland doesn't have shit going on. so <laughs> Especially not they, then. I mean, it's got more now than it did. But, right. So right. yeah, back then, yeah, they were trying to bring everybody in the city up, make them feel better um, about their lives and stuff or whatever. And they kind of took that same type of flow and made it real dark and yeah. I mean, just completely the opposite. Right. It's it's interesting. Hmm. Like, if when you when you listen to the two, sure. Um. Yeah. Yeah. And and it, it this is a good segue to my next thing because I just saw this today. I think Loudwire posted it was according to it was one of the studies. I don't remember, but uh, metal is now the fastest growing genre in music, which really? is crazy to to hear. Yeah. I mean, it was like. You know, you always hear about metal fans the most loyal and this and that, and we all can see that. But to see that metal is the fastest growing genre in music, and now this is obviously it's like just this one year. study. Yeah, this like, year. Well, I mean, it kind of makes sense when you think about it because a lot of these kids in school and stuff mm-hmm. haven't really listened to stuff that like I did or you did in school. I mean, what they've been listening to in school is rap hip-hop and mainstream pop stuff because right. that's that's just what's force fed down their throat so to speak. well well yeah and it's back when we were in school we were trying to be angsty and Edgy, listen right. to yeah. metal music and oh, yeah now to be angsty listen to soundcloud rappers and stuff and probably catch on to like suicide boy stuff so they're like well where did this originate from and then they find the metal find it, right and okay. then they're like you know holy shit this is good and now there's this pattern you know every 10 years everything kind of goes back in reverse every 10, 20 years. Just like how right now um, the 80s, like 80s synth wave is huge. And it was huge 10 years ago, like every other 10 years. And then it died. And and now like Miami Nights, 1984, you ever heard of them? Uh, No. So like 10 years ago, they were huge. Okay. Then they died off. And now everything's coming back again. Hmm. So like... Every ten years, Maybe that's there's kind of like a cycle, you know. You know, is it to a point where, with the exception of some of these innovative subgenres like emo rap, have we gotten to a point where there's only so much left we can create? I don't think so. I think that there's always <clears throat> going to be something that somebody will think of. Um, I think just we as humans get tired of hearing and listening to the same thing over and over. True. So we kind of go back in time and that's what happens with all these spin-offs. That's how these spin-offs get created is people get tired of listening to the current thing, then they go back in time, take the ideas and then modernize them. Take old ideas and then modernize yeah. them. Then you have something fresh oh, and new. Oh, for sure. I mean, one something I'm thinking of right now is uh, you know, we saw them last summer, Kane Hill. Mm-hmm. They are are I mean, a lot of the stuff they do is very similar to similar to Slipknot. But they add like a metalcore edge, and actually, there's a genre yeah. called new metalcore and you metalcore. It's it's really interesting that I I didn't realize that exists. I just like all the stuff that it is. Um, but yeah, I, I I guess part of it is seeing, you know, back just using Slipknot as an example, they were, I mean, brand spanking new sound. Oh yeah, everybody when, loved them. Right, I mean, it was the angsty thing. So to why not to take them. a recipe that worked? Then, and modernize it, adapt it, or modernize it, and see if it catches. And if it doesn't, you can always alter a little bit your branding and everything. But um, it's smart. I, you know, it's 
they, they say that being in a musician or in a band, and if you are deliberately trying to be original, you're not going to do it right. You know, there's a lot, like, it's trying too hard, trying to be famous, trying to be successful, trying to be different. If it just comes out different, then you're probably going to have more success with it. I don't know if there's merit to that or what, like, you um, know. I feel like it's a bit of both. I mean, sometimes really good ideas will come to you when you're not really looking for them, mm-hmm. and then you'll be like, whoa, how did I not think of this earlier? Um, but then sometimes it just simply takes a lot of brainstorming and stuff to come up with something good too it just depends on the situation and um the you know how you assess that situation sometimes i feel like um but you know i'm sure that somebody like came ill for example they were listening to slipknot or something and one guy he's probably just like wow i could take this and modernize it and then just kind of have the same flow but modernize it and then all of a sudden boom now there's this whole subgenre of new music just like the same thing with emo rap i'm sure them guys were listening to bone thugs or something I'm like man i love this flow i really love bone thugs but i also really love metal let's morph it together so i mean maybe initially you kind of have like a surprise idea right but then it takes thought and brainstorming and trying have to, to have that perfect storm you know yeah yeah sometimes yeah, yeah. Um, i mean even like a slipknot who did their own thing they had inspirations. It wasn't like they, that, that they just got that sound out of nowhere. I'm sure they took pe- bits and pieces of what they were interested in as youth and just put their own spin on it. So I guess maybe instead of deliberately trying to be original, just kind of almost remix your favorite stuff. Not literally remix your favorite stuff, but... you know, Almost rebrand it. Right. Figure out a way to rebrand and kind of modernize... Um, and that's the same with everything, not even just music. I mean, like, architecture and everything. I mean, lots right. of modern architecture pulls ideas from older um, eras, mm-hmm. and then they take those ideas and modernize them. I mean, that's the same thing with everything in the world. I mean, it's just you'll find in the workplace, you'll find in music, architecture, everything. Right. Right. Oh, we got a we got a good old uh, architect on our hands here. What's the – I was trying to think of the <laughs> fucking guy's name. Not uh, really. In uh, Arizona and, and – uh, Pennsylvania. He did a uh, uh, right, right. His last name was Wright. Oh, come on. Oh, I don't you know who I'm talking about? Famous architect. Architect Arizona Wright. I do not know. You don't, I don't even think you have to type in Arizona. I think you just have to type in Wright because he was super famous. I've been to a few of his houses and they're awesome. Um, Frank Lloyd Wright. Maybe is that it? Yes. Okay. Boom. It is because. I just yep, Frank Frank Lloyd Wright. Um, right. <laughs> he's his death was in nineteen fifty nine. Yeah, he's got a house in Pennsylvania that and there's another house in the hills or something for sale in like Hollywood or something. Okay, beautiful. Yes, yes I just saw I, that. That's ex- yeah, and that's right. why yeah, I thought right. of it. <laughs> the, the one in Pennsylvania I like because it has a waterfall that runs through the entire mm-hmm. state, which is so cool. Um, so the next thing that I wanted to talk about, because this is something that we do have in common, um, is music in, or I guess I should say politics in music. You get a lot of these people, and I see it on social media all the time, where, okay, there's a Blabbermouth article or a Loudwire article, or one of these music journalists say, 
so-and-so says this about Trump or so-and-so says this about mm. Obama or all these things. And then you have all these people in the comments, regardless of what party it's against or for, you have people going, just shut up and play music. Just, you know, your job isn't to preach to us. Your job is to just, you know, play music and whatever. And there's, I guess, both sides to the argument, but I sort of lean towards, you know, just because you're a musician doesn't make you any less human and you should be able to voice your opinions. Granted, I guess the people are paying to see you and they're not paying to hear your, you know, quote-unquote propaganda or whatever. But at the same time, music is an art, and sometimes you get that inspiration from politics or other things. So it's, it's, a, it's a weird type of area to explore. I just want to know how you, how you would decipher that. I feel that. Um, I'd probably say that... <clears throat> Music is definitely affiliated with the climate of politics. Right. 100%. Um, a prime example would be Rage Against the Machine. Sure. I mean, you can't get a better example than no. that. No, yeah. Um, they're a great band, and you either love them or you hate them, especially if you're into politics. And just with today's weather, climate <laughs> of politics, um, I would definitely sit here and say i think people should say whatever the fuck they want yeah i think people should um express through their art how they feel about politics personally sure. i sit in the middle with a lot of different Same. stuff right i like guns um but i vote for bernie right no, yeah, no <laughs> you know I, what i mean yeah 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 so uh there's there's things like that um i wish that more people were willing to see eye to eye unfortunately um, 95 people, 95 percent of people, I feel like, do want to see eye to eye. It's the five percent that are the loud mouths that think they speak for everybody that kind of cause all this turmoil sure. and stuff amongst people. Because most people I talk to on a daily basis, they're like, "Oh, well, we don't really care. I mean, they have the same views as me. They just want their middle of the road. They want to be able to live a good life." non-poverty mm -hmm. i mean and um be normal people and uh have politicians and people in charge that are kind of um actually working for the working person sure and i think you know if if i was to sit here and analyze it and, and take for what it is but i i feel like with young people and with i'll call them old people because i'll offend half the people listening to this i'm sure but uh, people over 45, let's say, mm -hmm. 45, 50, you have two completely different ideologies. I mean, not even kind of close as far as, and this is just generalization, but you have a lot of young people who are very much into the whole socialist movement. You have a lot of older yeah. people that are very conservative. And there's not a lot of common ground there. And I think older people see the millennials with the socialist thing as, oh, you know, they got handouts their whole life. Here's just another excuse for them to get more. And then the socialist groups as, oh, a bunch of old angry white folks. They don't really care about, you know, the, the average person. They only care about their wallet. And both sides failed to recognize that, and not to make this a political podcast, but this does have to do with music, but both both sides failed to recognize that I think everybody just cares about what's best for humans, you know? It's not like 
rich Republicans don't care about poor people. I mean, I'm sure there's some, but it, it, that's just a stereotype. It's not like young socialists. Well, you have want... bad and good and everything. Right. I mean, it's... But I think that's what I think everybody's focusing on those particular stereotypes. And because of that, there's no willingness to reach across the aisle. And because, oh, you know, you're Republican, you're a bad person. Oh, you're a socialist Democrat, you're a bad person. Yeah. You know, I don't. And, and I think when it comes to music, I think a lot of bands today are afraid to not necessarily pick a side, but afraid to express either way or even in the middle because they're like, well, we're going to alienate fans because we all know fans are extremely important, especially as a band that's mid-level or you know if you're not an a-list band and you can't afford to lose that fan base you kind of have to you know walk on eggshells but i i think that they are so afraid to lose those fans and rightfully so because there's a lot of fans who will say oh you know he is uh super democratic and i'm a trump guy and i don't want to listen to him because he's trying to take my rights away or whatever or you know for example i mean i fall victim to this freaking ted nugent all he does Every concert is just spew his, you know, xenophobic rhetoric to his crowd. Mm-hmm. Some people like that. Personally, I don't, and I won't listen to his music. So I'm at fault just as much as anybody else. But I think that's part of the problem why there's a lot less politics and music today. Even though I think the political climate is as conflicting as ever. When Rage Against the Machine came out, that was the Clinton. Uh, right. regime and uh, things were pretty all right you know they weren't great well, they, they were, were talking about stuff almost in an, uh, their own country where the lead singer came from i can't think of the name of the country but he even went back to fight in that war oh. too well, i didn't um, know that at all <laughs> yeah 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 okay yeah. so fair enough because their country was kind of where our country is now sure well then there, that's a great point though because if if that if that's true, then why is there not? I know there's there's a band called Fever Three Through Three that's very similar to Rage these days, but there's really not that iconic, you know. I think people are afraid. That's what I right. I think people are afraid of losing their clout, and um, <clears throat> you know, I think it has all this really has to do with the stigma that media creates. Right. I mean, you always hear about people listening to Fox or MSNBC. Um, all that, and um, they don't really want to ever open an ear or a mind to what other people or other ideas mm-hmm. have to um call for. Sure. Um. So that that's a major problem, and I think that these bands are afraid of if they did something that was like linear aligned with left or right. Mm-hmm. Um that maybe media or something would would kill them. I mean, media can kill anything. I mean, all it takes is one Facebook article now, bad article about rape or anything. (laughs) And even if it's, yeah, (laughs) you know, even if there's no real facts or um, court-ruled base that comes from everything. Sure. Um, people are just quick to make assumptions and be done. I yes. mean, one bad article, if it's real, fake or not, it doesn't matter. And that's what can that's ruin the, somebody or make somebody. That's the biggest problem we have today. And I, you know, I, I get mad at a lot of people for doing this, and it happens all the time. People don't read articles; they just read the headline. Yeah, they don't click to see. Hundred percent. Yeah. So it's like, okay, I posted an article 
yesterday about how the governor of Ohio um, is, who is a Republican and is sponsored by the NRA, right. is uh, putting a bill to the floor that if the court deems that someone is dangerous to public, and it, and it takes a lot to, for a court to deem that, then you will be revoked your rights to own a weapon. That's and this is not in it's appealable and all this and this is not like oh they're gonna take all of our guns this is literally like criminals who we think are go- about to go on a rampage the court can say we're taking your guns mm-hmm. how people can disagree with that is beyond me and that's what I said and people did not read the article they were like oh you're taking away our guns all read I mean that's and that's why we're where we are well yeah a lot of you know people they hear something they get it completely misconstrued because they don't read the whole thing they read the title and And if they do get past the title they read first paragraph and none of it's fact checked no none of it i mean nobody now that's what i'm talking like this whole you know when bands of people get in trouble it could have even been a fan that was pissed about something or a label or somebody was pissed about something makes something up and puts it up there. The thing is, we as readers don't really know because we're not in the situation. Um, there hasn't been enough facts that have been released, but yet people make assumptions just from reading the title or from the first thing they see without gathering all the facts and all the knowledge you need to make a real decision about right, something. Right, right, right. Um, I think a good example that, that just happened not long ago, I think about a year ago now, was... Uh, the whole bad omens thing. I don't know if you you read about that. Uh, I heard vaguely yeah. about it. So they Catch were, me up. Real yeah, quick. they were on tour with uh, Senses Fail and one other band. I cannot remember the other band. Um, and I guess from somewhere, I, whether it was one of the band's managers or uh, a publication or a fan just starting a rumor, you know, bad omens dropped off the, the tour for whatever reason. But someone said. They dropped off the tour because their logo wasn't big enough on the flyer. Oh, I do kind of remember yeah. this. Yeah. So they got all this flack for whether it's true or not. Well, I don't think we know to this day. Now, the Bad Omens guys and the Census Failed guys kind of had words on Twitter about it. Like, hey, we think your camp started this. Hey, we didn't start this, but, you know, this is what this is clearly why you're not on the tour anymore. I mean, they, they're going back and forth. It's and, a bunch of drama. Yeah. Instead of actually making a resolve, it's just a bunch of drama, and then that's the fans feed into that, sure. and then they just fuel the fire. And I mean the the objective brain of you know for me is that I don't think Bad Omens did it. I think that someone in the management maybe was upset with maybe well, yeah. a rider or a price or whatever that yeah. that and they started that because. I'm just trying to put myself in their shoes. If you're if you're a band like that, and they're not big by any means, but they're okayly known, you know. And and you're you're the last thing you want to do is jeopardize your success by a flyer. You know, if it's a show, I could see it maybe. Well, I don't but know why anybody tour, would deliberately do that no. bad of PR on themselves, right? And I mean, it's kind of common sense when you think about it. Why would they do that to themselves, right? Because they know if you worked that hard to build all the PR and all the momentum to even be on the tour, right? So and they know that it's not like something like that doesn't get out, right? It's not like they keep that in house. Let's say that they did not like how big their name was on the flyer. Mm -hmm. They're not thinking, oh, okay, well, let's drop off this tour 
because we don't like how big our logo is, and no one else know about it. Because well, you know, who would be that immature to do that anyway? Well, you'd have to be pretty you know immature. What? I mean, that's true. Yeah, there are people <laughs> it, out there. It definitely world. could happen, and we see it a lot in the EDM world. Oh yeah, but that's on a people, show basis, people not get, a tour base. But people, yeah, people get pissed. They get big heads, man. Yes, because they they think, oh man, well I played in Pittsburgh three or four times, and I played in Columbus once. Sure. And for my best friend's party, and now all of a sudden I'm <laughs> fucking famous. And well, I think part of the problem <laughs> is what what is required of DJs uh, to get to the next level. And I fall victim, or I I I definitely am guilty of this. And this is not just DJs, but really in music as a whole. But for EDM especially, is when you go to contact a talent buyer or a promoter from another region that you're not based in and they're not familiar with your work. Sure. They're probably, I mean, they're going to listen to your production and your mixes, but they're probably going to see, all right, where has this DJ been on flyers in this area or other areas? And if you are high enough, hell, I know these dudes that, uh, I won't say them by name, but they would literally, uh, have this graphic artist, They'd pay him to make these fake flyers where they're always the headliner in different cities. And, of course, the promoters aren't going to cross-reference these things. They'll be like, oh, man, they they were huge here and here and here. And then they kind of fake it till you make it scenario where they... That's a next level of faking it till you make it, though. It is. I mean, that's... that's... And it's really faking it. It's worked. And I'm like I said, I'm not I'm no liberty to out anybody. But, uh, you know, it's... that I think that's part of the issue is booking agents or promoters or whatever you want to call them are not really booking based on talent anymore. They're, they're clout chasers. Yes. Because it's all about the bottom line. It's not about, it's all about making the money and these, these, it's basically these kids who want to use, um, artists and stuff to, to get money at the clubs and build their own clout for whatever reason because they want to be popular with the girls. Mm-hmm. They want to be popular in the college town or whatever. I mean, that's always what it is. It's what it always has been. It's probably what it always will be. Um, and then they it, get well, starts I don't want to say if it always has been that way because uh, you know, I had Joe on here in my first podcast, and we talked yeah. about this and how you know the promoters back then when they threw those secret raves – it was never about making money. Yeah, I guess I'm just young, so when I <laughs> when I say it always has been, it always has been for me personally. Since 1995. Yeah, well, <laughs> no, not that. Maybe like maybe 2011 yeah, or yeah, something. Sure, sure, right. So um, no, definitely. Um, I just I think that, like you say, I don't think it's a problem that's going to go away because with technology and with everything that is your music resume now your music resume is available to everyone at all times and it's It's all about likes yeah it's all about followers it really is about metrics we Um, were just talking before we did this recording about how my band has been not approached i guess we've been looked at by a few labels and they say you know your music's great that's not the problem the product is there it's just we need the metrics to be higher to consider you because a label or a sponsor or a talent buyer, and I tell this to my clients all the time, they want a ready product. They don't want you know somebody who's super developmental that they got to put all this money and all this time and effort into. They want a turnkey house. You know, you already have the likes, you already have the follows, you have the core fan base, and you have the music. We'll put money behind you, but it's 
it's going to be a lot easier to get that return on investment because you have all of those things already. So I think such, such a metric-based music industry these days has has a lot of people selling their souls and doing things that they ne- normally wouldn't do if the, the top prize didn't require them to do it. Well, not even that, but, I mean, there's whole industry based around um, buying your followers and buying your likes. Right. Well, they have ways to audit that, though. I mean, they there's a lot of record labels who have audit software who can go to your Twitter, yes. Instagram, and Facebook and, and see, okay, they clearly, 80% of their followers, it's... It's I mean jabuk blah blah or whatever you know what I mean it's like mm-hmm. it's these fake people and they can't uh you know the, the, it's it's a cheap way of of trying to make yourself look bigger than you are. What you cannot buy, which is great, is streams at least on Spotify and True. Apple Music and on such. uh paid paid based right. Um, they have really streaming. good technology where you can't yeah. you just can't do that. They cracked down a couple of days ago on that or weeks ago on that um. But that that in itself is tough because if you don't get picked up by a Spotify editorial playlist or release radar or one of these other things, you know, when I was trying to promote our album, I would go and and this is a trick for anybody who cares, go and, and type in, okay, heavy metal. I would look at all the playlists on Spotify that were heavy metal and they would have thousands of people that follow these playlists. So if your song gets on these playlists, you're your streams are going to go way up real quick. And keep in mind, your stream is not about making money. You're not going to make money on those streams. It's like point zero zero nine seven cents well, or something. To get that, I mean, to get anywhere, you have to have the streams right. to get tours. The to get streams bookings, is about anything. the long term goal, yes. right? Exactly. But uh, these playlists, some of them will say, uh, you know, if you are interested in me featuring your band on my playlist, uh, email me or my Instagram is or whatever. And then I would go to their page and I'd be like, Oh, okay, cool. And me being naive, which I usually am not, but I, you know, I'm like, Oh, Hey, so my band's got a, maybe it's cause I'm too close to the product, but I'm like, my band's got a new album. Love for you to feature us on your playlist. It looks like you got a sweet one, whatever. And they'd come back and say, okay, it's a uh, $250 for a week, $500 yep. for a month and, yep. and all that. And I'm just like, that's, that is what's wrong with this right now. This is, you know, I had a guy who was who said, you know, DM me to interest, and he was like, "Oh yeah, I'll put you on. I love your band." It's like that's what it should be. You should want to feature bands that you love on your playlist, and not try to to exploit that for money. I'm sure if there was a really crappy group that wanted to be on one of those playlists, but they paid, sure, oh, they'll put them on. That's I mean, yeah. that's just that's even how like um, Instagram follows and everything are now. Right. It's all um, they'll they'll repost your stuff on their stories. If you pay them X amount of money, um, so it's not even just music, right? It's it's literally everything, and your influence on the internet, and so basically these big groups or big inf- influencers or whatever you want to call them, they'll put you on for X amount of money, but that's the problem, you right. know. People don't share content because they like content anymore. They share content for monetary gain. And I was just talking about this with my band. Uh, there's a couple of local bands similar to us, but they only share memes, right, from their Facebook page. Right. And their engagement is through the roof. Because of these algorithms, it's like, okay, I, there's for a, whatever reason, yeah. if you share memes, you're going to get all kinds of clout. But if you share 
I mean, we all get that sharing links is already a bad idea, but if, even if you share a photo or a hype video or something and you don't boost, if you don't pay the money, you're not getting... The algorithm has gotten so good at detecting anything. Yeah. You used to be able to do, um, like, look at this um, XYZ or whatever in the comments. Yes. And then you'd post it in the comments... And the algorithm is so good, it detects that. I mean, I post, it's weird because I post, um, when I post like memes or something, I get upwards 80 to 100 likes on some things. Right. If I post anything else, um, like something normal, like a normal status, I might get 40 or 50. But if I post something promoting anything, mm -hmm. my own music or art or anything, I get two or three. Yeah. It's, because the algorithm kills it that much. And what, what bothers me, what doesn't make sense, I guess, about it is if you're Mark Zuckerberg or whoever's making those decisions, you you don't you want that engagement from art to be on Facebook? Well, um, interesting enough, and I just thought about this, I think that Facebook is trying to make um, it almost like tumblr or like instagram where it's like mostly pictures well memes are mostly pictures but they already own instagram so doesn't that be kind of a it's just i mean but facebook is their flagship thing right you know what i mean instagram is so successful why right. would you not make your other social media basis more like it sure and then collect even more money i mean it's all about money that's all these companies they see is numbers um, that's why, like, when I scroll through Facebook now, I hardly see statuses. Every other thing is a meme, and right. it used to not be like that. Or if you make a status, uh, they they're notorious for this. Is if it's a short status where the words are bigger, you people more people will see it. I can't tell and you that's times, why right. I make all my statuses one sentence, right? And you and very vague because you always ask me, you're like, why are your status is so vague. Why don't you go further in detail with anything? I'm like, because no one will see it. Right. And that's why. And I can't tell you how many times I've I've had like a two sentence status, right? And it's like three characters away from being short. It's It, it ends up like m m getting smaller. And I'm like, oh, how can I word this? To, I do the same yeah, thing. Yeah. And it's because people do not want to read small print. Well, they, they don't. don't. They don't want to, There's no attention span anymore. Well, and that, and yeah, they don't want to. They don't want to read small print because small print means more words. Right. Um. They want to read big print. They want to read memes because they can associate the words with the picture. Sure. Um. Just like how people screw through <clears throat> Instagram. They don't want to read. They want to look like a picture book. I mean, if you sat a book in front of most people now, mm. and you're like, read this. They wouldn't get through the first page. No, they wouldn't even get through the first paragraph. It's amazing until that they're kids like, can I'm done. read these books in school. You know, I, mean, I don't think they do. Um, honestly, most mo I actually my girlfriend, uh, her 14 year old brother, mm -hmm. he doesn't even really read. It, it's insane. Yeah. Um, and he read. It's funny because he actually reads more than the other people in his grade. Huh. And he'll read maybe one or two books a year, right? If that. Um, he mostly plays video games and is on his phone. Snapchat where where can we where can we we find where it went wrong as far as the the short attention span? I don't know what's causing that. I don't think that. as anything necessarily went wrong. I think that humanity has just evolved in a certain way. Um, it's almost like 
could be called almost like a different language or something because people communicate mostly through pictures now. Right. Like or, Snapchat or, and or stuff. GIFs or GIFs, however you want yeah, to pronounce it's, it. Yeah, they don't, I mean, you can just look at it uh, like a GIF with no... <laughs> With no words, right. and you already know what they're saying. Yeah, it's an implied type you, of thing. You know what it's about. Um, five years ago, we wouldn't even know what the hell it is. Right. So it's almost like everything's kind of evolved. Now, whether we know that's for good or bad, we don't really know right. yet. I no. mean, it's. I feel like society's kind of dumbing down for sure, I, Yeah, personally. And I think as it relates to music, I just watched, uh, when I, I was flying an airplane, they had really cool uh, headrest. Uh, Delta does a good job with that. And they uh, um, had uh, movies, new movies on there. So I watched yeah. Bohemian Rhapsody. I don't know if you've seen that yet. No, no, so no. So one of the things I'm not a big. I hate Queen actually. What? Fun fact. Wait a minute. I hate <laughs> Queen. <laughs> we gotta we we gotta pause. I I've never met someone that hates Queen. Not yet. Why? I just I don't know, man. Dude. Something about something about that dude's voice with it. What's oh, it's so great. Freddie Mercury. Freddie Mercury. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I, I like him as a person. Don't get me wrong. Well, he's not I, around I, anymore. Well, yeah. <laughs> But I think his story was really interesting and stuff. Sure. However, I hate the band. Hate his voice. Wow. I've never, this is a first for me in my 28 years of existence. I've never met someone who doesn't like Queen. I figured that was like literally an across the board. No. Like even more I mean, so people than like hate Beatles, Beatles all the time. I like the Beatles, oh, I don't but like I hate, Beatles. yeah, see? Yeah, but. But I, most but people Queen... don't like the Beatles anymore now either. No, but, I mean, I don't know. I just. I, I there's a lot of people that like that like Queen. I don't know. That's just some. That's, anyways. <laughs> back to the topic at hand. There, you know the song Bohemian Rhapsody, right? Yeah, it's sure. like six and a half minutes long. Too long, but yeah. No, no, no. no see, that, this is where I'm going with that. See, the guy in the movie, he's like the 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 record label CEO. He's he. I, this isn't really a spoiler if you haven't seen it, but it's just a cool scene where. Uh, the band goes to him and is like, hey, we've got our album done. We want the single to be Bohemian Rhapsody. He's like, six and a half minutes long, this is garbage. What, you know, radio is not going to pick this up. You know, you're going to have a really hard time doing anything with what this What was song. the standard length for then? Uh, they said three to three and a half minutes, I think, or maybe two and a half to three minutes. So it was very like small. standard length, I mean, that's standard length now. Sure, right. And they said, you know, he he said something about uh, there was another song about a car or something and he's like oh yeah let's do that one it's real catchy and the girls love it whatever and they're like well, we don't we don't want that as our single and they went back and forth and Queen was pretty much like listen no one else can do what we do this Bohemian Rhapsody is our single whether you want it to be our single or not or we'll walk not, they knew that they couldn't walk they're under contract but they were like threatening that because they. They sort of have. They're pretty adamant about, and they felt a certain way about it as artists. And look what happened. That song is now they have a freaking movie. Iconic, right? And I think, (laughs) and someone listed, it wasn't just that song, but some of the best-selling songs of all time are all longer than five minutes of all time. Yeah. So why Master Puppets is sure eight minutes long? Uh, It's definitely everybody knows that song. Yeah, yeah. So so why why are people still insistent on only doing three to four minute songs? Is it again? Is it the 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 uh, short attention span, or is it just going with what's comfortable? Um, I don't know. I mean, that's a good question. I don't really have an answer for that. I I think that music 
is just like art. You deem it as an artist how long it should be or how right. elegant or crazy, how sure. many colors, if you're painting a painting, how many colors you're using. But I think um, at some point... It just depends, you, really. You still have to decide, you know, we can't all be like a Rush or a, a right. Genesis or, you know, these progressive bands or Dream Theater that have like 10-minute-long oh yeah. songs, right? Yeah. Um, and those bands are great, but there's a certain kind of fan for those bands, you know? Right. And they're not mainstream. Um, so I think that's part of what it is, is is these other bands. Like Queen's a mainstream band, and they're one of the few that have been able to pull it off. But I think especially a good example would be EDM. When you produce, you're almost like if I – and this is a little bit different because you're, your music's being played to a crowd that's constantly dancing, so I guess you have to think in different terms. But it depends a lot on the the subgenre sure. of electronic music. Right. Yeah. I if wouldn't it's even just house, call it it's different. But. I wouldn't even call it EDM because EDM to me is a specific genre and it's not a good one. Like uh, I, it's big like room the, house. Yeah. Or... It's like the one twenty eight stuff. Yeah. Electronic music to me would be like subgenres like house music, like techno. real house, like real yeah, house. No, sure. Music. Sure. Sure. Um, like Detroit techno, mm-hmm. drum and bass. Um, even older stuff like I don't call breakbeat like Prodigy and stuff like that. Yeah, Would yeah. that be breakbeat? Yeah, yeah, yeah. R.I.P. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Orbital, I love Orbital. Their mm-hmm. songs are long, but mm-hmm. like most songs are structured like that in electronic music um, to be transitional with other tracks. Sure. Generally speaking, there are the couple that the artists were like, "Well, I don't want them to be mixed with anything else. So yeah. I'm gonna make them all crazy." And of and course, those are the ones that have the sickest drops. And you're like, as a DJ, you're like, "Fuck, I can't." Yeah, even yeah. Use this. Well, <laughs> but it, and then it's weird because the point I'm making with this is newer music. Um, for example, most like bass music. Yeah. I guess. Like dubstep, trap, people who aren't familiar is with that stuff, right? Generally, two to four minutes. Right. Right. You know, um, it's very rare, and if it is longer than three and a half or four minutes, it's a different type of bass track where it's more melodic and laid back. Yeah, a lot of and more bass. more of an actual song that you can listen to that you probably wouldn't play at the club, but you listen to on your own. Right. Um. Speaking so I don't of, know. Uh, speaking of future bass, Shigoki, if you're listening. <laughs> hey. uh, yeah, you you could go ahead. Go ahead. Shigoki. And I are working on a new track. So oh, yeah. Be prepared. Yeah. <laughs> what kind of track? Future bass. Okay. So, like, like I said, hey, <clears throat> Shigoki, uh, it's time for you to come on the podcast. Uh, I know you didn't listen to me when I asked you, uh, but uh, I think Ian wants you to come maybe, on here too. Maybe, maybe if y'all are lucky, we'll do like a little uh, teaser thing. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Bring, we I'll could bring it up. We could absolutely <laughs> do that. You know. So maybe, maybe that'll incentivize Brandon to come over and uh, get on this podcast. Um, but the last note on this topic is something I, at, when I was a DJ that bothered me so much was there's so much rinsing. And I think one mm. of the most beautiful parts of a, dro- a track with drops is the break, you know, the part no, between drop I, one and two. I agree. And I love that, but people just don't have the, well, that's, you know, all goes back to clout chasing. Right. Um, and sticking with doing what everybody else is doing because they think it's a successful formula. Well, the problem is when you do what everybody else is doing, there's a fuck a lot of people doing it. Yep. Which means it becomes overused and it dies out quick. Yep. And we've seen that lately. Oh, yeah. And not just in EDM, but in all genres. All genres. Yeah. Because people 
just milk the fuck out of it. Intro, verse, chorus, verse, chorus. It's a bandwagon. And, and on a bandwagon, right. you can only fit so many people on before people start falling off yep. that wagon and getting left behind in the dirt. You kind of have to take risks. You know, I, I, it's it's like, okay, there there's a fork in the road. You can either try to join that bandwagon and hopefully someone will notice enough to where you can be solidified Be the there. one driving the horses up right. that wagon. Or you can go off the beaten path and be more original, but risk losing your not clout. understanding. I'm not yeah. understanding. Right, right. Yeah. So I it's mean, it's a really hard decision for any underground musician. Well, that's kind of like when I was DJing, and because I don't really play out as much anymore, but when I even still now this day when I do play out, I play all the um, stuff in the middle usually. Right. And I cut it on the second drop. I don't usually even let it play a second drop, but I always play stuff in the middle because I feel like when you have too much aggressive the, all the time, mm-hmm. it starts to get boring. Yeah. People start to get bored of that. Dude. If you have stuff and like vocals and stuff and you strip away especially bass elements mm-hmm. and you bring that all in, all in you're, you're, the way the human brain works, it is craves low frequencies. Mm-hmm. Period. Right. And any any genre, any type of music. Sure. And when you strip away those low frequencies and then you bring them all back at once, people are like, it's a holy shit. sensation. Yeah. 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 And that's why you need all these elements and mixes and not just like DJ mixes, but in mixes of tracks and how tracks are structured and everything in every single genre. Right. Absolutely. I, and I, I talk about genre or uh, mixes getting boring. I mean, some people love rhythm for me it's just not for me and well, and the problem with rhythm is it's aggressive all the time but you know what it so is metal you know but metal usually metal is kind of a different line though i don't think you can really compare it to because rhythm even in the down parts mm-hmm. it still has just aggressive vocals aggressive elements metal most bands anyway kind of in their um parts where there's not as much going on there's more melodic uh like more clean guitars mm-hmm. um less drums and vocals it's soften. not one the vocals breakdown. soften up right like i guess if if rhythm was if you made a metal track that was that would equate to rhythm it would just be like one four minute long breakdown well yeah and then you know rhythm it's not the whole time but like even when it's not there's not those the bass elements and all the drum stuff there's super aggressive vocals like yelling like get up get up get up or like dude you know and let's cut some people's head off (laughs) or something or just something completely out there and i think that it was it was a fad it sounded good i'm not gonna lie i liked it for one or two years it's great here at the festivals it sounds amazing on big speakers Mm -hmm. but like the thing is, is when you start to hear it so much and there's not any other melodic elements or stuff that your brain craves. It's just not. It's just not gonna happen. Sure. No. I mean, sure, your brain craves a lot of low frequencies and stuff, but it also craves the stuff in the middle. Right. You know what I mean. Right. Um. And you can't have too much of one thing. There has to be a balance. Yeah. You got to pull back to make make the the part after that interesting again. And, and that's right. the problem with rhythm. And um. I mean, there's other genres that went down that path too of having a subgenre oh, yeah. that was sure. You know, just sure. super missing important elements. Sure, I think. Sure, absolutely. 
All right, so we're almost out of time, so let's uh, get to this. I want to see what these songs are for uh, for your walk-up music for baseball. All right, I'm putting so, you on the spot. So number one, I'd probably say a little Uzi Vert 20 minutes because he says 20 minutes till I go on. It's just talking about going on. Okay. Um, Volumes. This yeah. is going to be weird three. Volumes. Anything off of the album. You could pick any song off that whole right. album. That could be one of my songs. Okay. Number three, um, Orbital, Halcyon, On and On. My absolute all-time favorite song ever. All right, so we got we got three tunes that probably most people in the ballpark would have no clue what they are, which is cool because that's kind of the point. Oh, and they're all three completely different. That's yeah. I like it all, man. Dude, I mean, <laughs> if you ask me, I would go with uh, – and this changes all the damn time for me, but uh, – you know, I'd probably have to go with a Siler song. I just love that band. Yeah, uh, you always talk about I, I it. I do, man. Uh, I'd probably have to go with Assume. Uh, the second would be uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan, Texas Flood, because that has the best blues riffs of all time are in that song. Just incredible guitar licking. I mean, it's 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 unreal. Uh, so number three is interesting. It used to be Mushroom Head because it was cool. I was always imagining being on the Indians, being in Cleveland, having a Cleveland band played when I come to bat. But due to recent events, I've kind of fallen out with being a fan of that group. So, you know, I would probably have to make it uh, one of my favorite EDM drops, which is... Oh, uh, oh. Uh, uh, what the guy's name? Drummel. E-Hide. You know E-Hide? Yeah, E-Hide. Uh, oh, uh, my God. The song... Uh, shit. Uh... I don't know if it's called Infected. I think it's called Infected. It's got samples yeah. from Shaun of the Dead in it. Yeah, it's I think it is. Tune. It's got that uh, 303 acid uh, riser and everything, and it's just, yeah. So I think those would be my choices. An be electronic pretty, you know. song, huh? Yeah, why not? Oh, yeah. boy. I, I still, actually, honestly, I still en- I enjoy EDM now more that I'm no longer in the game of the it toxic the toxicity right sure right i mean whether it's dra- i mean it there's plenty it. of drama and in, in metal and all these other things that i'm doing but uh i think it's because when i used to go to raves i would just sit there and just overanalyze everything yeah especially and, being a producer right and now that i i haven't produced an edm track and i can't tell you how long or an electronic track whatever and now I'm not sitting there going, you know, phrasing and all you these things. You can actually listen to yeah, damn thing. I just listen to the whole thing as a whole. And now I'm like, I don't think I could ever do that with a rock song because I've been playing guitar for so long. I just don't think that's ever going to change. I'm always going to be thinking about, you know, where's, what frets, what fingers, all that. But at least in EDM and other things such as, you know, classical music and stuff that I, I cannot do, uh, it's more enjoyed enjoyable to listen to it than be it it's it was almost like work listening to it before and now it's not like that so i think that was yeah. that, that's a you nice can thing. actually enjoy something right exactly i i understand that <laughs> <laughs> for sure for sure all right well uh this was a good uh comeback from our little hiatus uh expect to have ian on here more often uh we'll bring on some other guests i know Coming up, I've talked to a couple of the local uh, promoters. I know Mike Tata from AEG was going to be a guest on here soon. Um, trying to get uh, Jim LaMarca from Chimera. Um, and who is the other, uh, the other guy I am not super familiar with, but I know he owned Peabody's, and I would love to pick his brain about all those years with one of the most legendary venues in uh, the Cleveland area and a venue that 
uh, to this day, I am very nostalgic about because I spent half my childhood there. Same so, here, same here. Yeah, so hopefully we can get some of these guests on here uh, within the next week or so. And uh, appreciate everybody listening today. And uh, Ian, is there anything you want to plug before we uh, say goodbye for the uh, temporary future? Uh, not so much. I think we've covered a lot of stuff, and it was good to uh, be here. Cool, definitely. All right, well, as always, we're out. Thank you.